The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 130. Despite the fact that it only has 12 districts, Berlin is eight times the size of Paris and about one third the price. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is the person who makes the best sweet potato fries in the world, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Hey, Heather. Hi, everyone, and happy holidays. Speaking of happy holidays, today's sponsor for the show is Tortuga Backpacks. And some of you, if you're listening to this when it comes out, may be just getting a Tortuga Backpack under the tree for Christmas. And if you're listening to it later and you didn't or you're looking for a backpack, I highly, highly recommend Tortuga Backpacks. I'm so excited that they're sponsoring the show because it really is a win-win-win for everyone involved because we're able to talk to them, get a discount code for anyone who is interested in a Tortuga Backpack. You guys can find that by going to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Tortuga. And it is the best piece of travel gear that I own. It's been with me for almost two whole years now everywhere we've gone. Yeah, and we've been to a lot of places. Yeah, and I'm really excited about today's show because it's really cool that we get to recount our top 14 travel experiences of 2014. I didn't even think about that, but the numbers work. (laughs) Yeah. So when we were making our list up, we were going to do top 10. And then, of course, we came up with more More than than just 10. Of course. So we will be giving you our top 14 travel experiences of 2014. We already know that we're probably going to speak a lot about these. So we are going to be cutting this podcast into two different episodes so that we have time to kind of storytell. And that's the point of this podcast is for us reflecting on the amazing blessings that we've had throughout this year and the amazing experiences we've had. And also, not just telling you about a specific destination, like, oh, you should go to Croatia because it's great, but actually weaving a lot of that experience and that storytelling into what we'll be telling you today. Yeah. And I mean, the year is winding down and we were so blessed to be able to travel for most of the year. And even luckier to be able to fly home for the holidays because we were traveling abroad and we just decided, hey, why not go home for the holidays and end our year in the States with our friends and family? And we're sitting here and we're able to kind of just reflect on the past year. And that's a really cool thing to do. And I really do like this time of year because like you mentioned, Heth, we do get to reflect. I think that's important for people in any facet of life, whether it's business, personal, And if you guys are readers of the blog, you know, the last two years, uh, this will be the third year, I've done a year in review series where we talked about our best travel experiences, but we also delved into what went right for us, what went wrong for us, whether it was in business, personal lives, um, health, all types of different things. And I do think it's a cool time to look back and 
be thankful for everything you've done and also kind of look forward and say, well, how am I going to change things or what's going to be different? So today, we're going to give you the top 14 experiences. And again, these aren't just locations, but they're actual experiences that we had in these locations, like a a moment or a collection of moments that we did while we were traveling. That made that thing special for us. Yeah, it's going to be... I tried to make my list. We each made seven. And so we're going to go back and forth. It was kind of cool because we were able to some of the things on Heather's list. And and unlike most of our top 10 list, this time we actually discussed it a little ahead of time because we want to know what each person was going to talk about. And it's cool because some of the stuff you're going to mention, I would have put on my list. But since you're going to mention it, I didn't have to put it on. Yeah. So we can cheat that way. Definitely. And it was nice to make our own list because I think our top travel experience, both of our number twos or our number ones, are different from each other's. So that way we were able to rank really what was the most special for us, but also so many of them together do overlap. When I was doing this, I kind of thought, what are the things that I'm going to look back on in five and 10 years that are going to... stick in my mind very vividly because we are lucky enough that we get to do a, tra- a lot of traveling. And sometimes, to be honest, stuff does mesh together when you do do so much traveling, just like most people's everyday lives sort of mesh together. What are the things that are really going to stick in our mind as vivid memories? And so let's get into it. Yeah, here and they are. So this episode, we're going to give you seven of them. Heather's going to give you her first four. I'm going to give you our first three. And then in tomorrow's episode, or if you're listening to this later, you can get that episode, extrapackofpants.com slash pod. You can always get all the show notes or listen to it from there, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. So Heather, start us off. Your number seven, your seventh best experience for 2014. Okay. My seventh best is we just came from there. We were in Bali. We were there for about two and a half, three weeks. And we spent some extensive time up in Ubud. And while Ubud is a little bit touristy and kind of overrun, a little crowded. Ever since Eat, Pray, Love, it's really (laughs) been on the travel map. And that being said, though, it is a beautiful place. It has a really cool vibe. Lots of expats, lots of digital nomads, lots of people walking around in their yoga gear coming, you know, from a class. So it is cool. But the best part about it for me was actually getting out of Ubud. So we kind of set up a base there and we stayed in the same like kind of guest house for two, um, a week and a half. Week and a half, nine days, I think. And... We had a scooter the whole time. And the best part was getting out of Uber and just driving around all the little teeny tiny roads like in the interior of Bali. And, you know, you'd pass little villages and there'd be rice fields and there'd be jungle and there'd be, you know, just village people like doing their everyday stuff. And it was just really cool. I mean, I kind of took it for granted just being in Ubud you know, at our guest house because it would be raining and we would just be working. And then we're like, well, why are we even here? But then like the sky would clear for a couple minutes or a couple hours and we're like, okay, let's get out and let's go see something new today. One of the neat things about when we did finally decide to come home was it forced us to kind of get out of the mode of, yeah, we're going to be here for a while and get into the mode of, Let's really explore. So we put some work on the back burner. We just said, let's get out. And the thing that's going to stick in my mind from Ubud from this trip, because we had been there before, was the day that we went scootering up to the temple. There was a temple about an hour and a half north. And do you remember the name of the temple? Uh, Guang. 
It, it's this temple Something that, I can't remember at the moment. And everyone said, you know, you can scoot up there. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good ride. And we were there during rainy season. We scooted up and about five minutes from getting to the temple, we had been on the scooter for about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. Oh, you mean the, the lake? It was Braton Lake. Yeah, the lake I and the temple meant, on the sorry, lake. We went to another temple too, but. Yeah, and Braton Lake and we got up there and Braton Lake itself was not that cool at all. I mean. No, a little overrated. But the scooter ride up there is amazing. I mean, we went up on kind of a main road, and about five minutes out, it started dumping rain on us. Heather had a poncho. She went. It was and bought- more like fifteen minutes out because it, there was a while where we were actually cold in Bali, which is a strange thing to have happen to you. But on the bike, you know, the winds ripping at you, the waters dumping on you. Yeah, and so then on the way back, so we were there, and it was raining, and we, and then. It- you know, it stopped for five minutes. We take some pictures at the actual lake. And then we said, like, let's get out of here. You know, we spend an hour and a half scootering up and about two hours scootering back all to stay at the actual lake for 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, max. probably. And the way back, Heather said, let's try to take this little back road. And I was pretty mad. It was pouring rain at this point. I was cold. I was driving. She was on the back. And I thought, no way. And you were dead right because we took this back road and it was one of the best scootering experiences we've ever had. We're going on this tiny road down these crazy hills. So it was a little little hair raising actually because it was yeah. wet. And the road wasn't as major as the other road we had been on. So it was like a little bumpy and more villagey and we I wasn't seeing sure any cars, basically. if, you know, it would dead end somewhere. Like, you know, we were using Google Maps without an actual SIM card, just like kind of you know how it sometimes still works. Like we didn't put in a destination, but you can see the roads and whatever. So we weren't sure if we'd get stuck or stranded or have to turn around, you know, an hour in and get lost. But I was just looking at the map and we the way we had come up was the main road. You went really pretty high up a mountain. I thought, well, the weather was the worst there, kind of at the top of the mountain in this other route. I thought, well, maybe it won't be as rainy because weather changes around lakes and mountains and volcanoes. It kind of creates its own weather. So... Yeah, so the we went this route, back route. Actually, it did stop raining. Like it we did about soon five as we minutes finally in. got away from the lake, it no longer rained, which was so nice. And I was a bit grumpy. I was being an old curmudgeon, as <laughs> I'm starting to realize I do quite often. Um, and we're going down, and it's raining. And then about five minutes in, it stopped raining, and the sun came out, and it was amazing. We're going through did these. Did the sun actually come out? Well, peaked out. Yeah, peaked out. <laughs> it was still cloudy. We're going through these rice fields. I mean, we're going up and down these hills. We're not seeing any other cars. We're seeing a few scooters going by with like kids hanging on the back and laughing at us and waving. It was fantastic. And, you know, we're off the beaten path, which is really crazy because we talk about Ubud being a little touristy and it is. But as soon as you get 20 minutes outside, even 10 minutes, sometimes of course, they've out. seen white people before. But you honestly feel like some of the towns that you go through that you're the I mean, that a tourist will not go through there again in another five days because you you know, it it's really pretty far off the beaten path without even being far from Ubud. So it's just a a really cool experience. If you guys go and can get scooters, we love scootering around and biking around anyway, but it just, it feels so freeing. When you're on the back of a, a motorbike or you're on a bicycle, you can just see so much more of the landscape and you can stop whenever you want. I mean, there was one point on that ride where, you know, I was getting a little saddle sore for being on the back of the scooter and 
we just passed by this beautiful rice field and there were like people working out in the field. And I was like, let's just stop and take a few pictures. And you're able to do that when you're just adventuring by bike. It's so much fun. Yeah, it really took us back to the essence of travel. And we'd kind of lost that a little bit because we were working pretty hard and we had we you know we knew we were going to be in Southeast Asia we thought we were going to be there for 5 months so we weren't every day going out and doing quote unquote travel things we were also living life um and that was a really nice day to kind of bring us back to that my number 7 happened in Thailand and we had just gotten into Chiang Mai a few days before and we were lucky enough to meet up with a few other e-poppers so we were all staying at the same resort place. And it was really cool because our friend Tiffany was staying there first and she told our another e-popper, Rob, and then they told me. And so we all got to meet up and we were hanging out a lot. And we had not gone to this waterfall before when we were in Chiang Mai, but our friend, my friend had always said, have you ever gone to the Spider-Man waterfalls? Like, how have you not gone? They're one of the coolest things we've ever done in Thailand. And so when we were there, I looked them up and they're called Spider-Man waterfalls or sticky waterfalls, or the real name is Botong waterfalls. And we hired a driver, a Song Tao, which is just a red pickup truck, basically, an With, enclosed like, red pickup truck. With benches and yeah. cap on the, on the back. Hired it for th- what would, in essence, be $30 to take all six of us out there, so $5 a person, maybe a little less. And he drove us the hour and a half up, and these waterfalls are amazing. They call them the Spider-Man or Sticky Waterfalls because... You- They're made from this porous rock. Rock. That you, that's sticky. Like, you can literally... And, and the waterfalls aren't, like, coming... So they're it's not, not like Niagara Falls. No, it's right? not like fast water. It's right. kind of trickles down and so you can like literally just climb up them. So you're you're climbing up these waterfalls, kind of up the side of, of a mountain, but it's it's crazy because you keep thinking every time you take a step, like if you're normally stepping where there is water and rock, it's mossy and slippery. So every time you think, I'm gonna slip here, and then you put your foot down. And it's your foot it's like sticks Velcro. to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like being Spider-Man. Like, it's so I have cool. awful balance and I couldn't even come close to falling. And so you can just climb around all these waterfalls, up the waterfalls, down the waterfalls. It's crazy to come down them as well because, again, you think, I'm going to bite it. Like, I'm going to, my feet are going to slip out and I'm just going to come tumbling down these waterfalls. And you're going down these waterfalls that are at like a 45, 50 degree incline. So it's steep. And you can just make your way up and down. It's such a neat, neat feeling. Yeah, it's really fun. It was like being in an adventure park, but it's a natural place. I mean, it's not man-made in any way. So it was very cool. And another cool part about it was that nobody else was there. Yes. Yeah, it's not. There's a bunch of waterfalls in Chiang Mai, but these are, for whatever reason, not... I mean, they're well, well known. known, I guess, to Thai people. There were some other Thai people, but there's no other tourists there. And we had found them because my friend had told me about it, but he had gone with people who were living in Chiang Mai at that point. So, I mean, of, of course, other white people would know about it, but it's mostly people who are living there. It's not It's not going to be on any tour bus radar or anything like that, which was really cool. We were, in essence, you know, for, for some of the time there, there was no one else there at the waterfalls, which yeah. was a great feeling. Definitely. I think like five people showed up later. So that was a really fun experience. Yeah. So the Botong Waterfalls, we should give a shout out to from Thailand to Thailand. It's a, it's a blog and they gave us directions on how to get there. So we'll link that up in the show notes if you guys are interested. And we'll also be doing a little post on it at some point when we put out our Chiang Mai travel guide. 
My number six, it has to be mentioned, it's Paris. So a love hate relationship. A love hate relationship with Paris. It's beautiful. It's crowded. It's expensive. It's beautiful. I have to mention it because I had always wanted to go there. And I think we've talked about this before, but I had never been and Travis bought me these tickets to go to Paris for a birthday present. And my birthday is in October, but we ended up going in April and it was everything that I expected it to be. So in in a way, it didn't really go above my expectations because I knew it would be great. So it's mentioned here because we had a wonderful time and it was my first time there and I'd always wanted to go. But it's not making it like as number one because I had other things that surprised me with how amazing they were. And so had for Does this... Does that make sense? It makes sense. For this, we were, t- we're talking about experiences other than places and because we want to kind of pick out specific things because i think when you do travel it is the experiences and the people you meet and those those moments that you just have no clue that they're going to happen and then they happen those unexpected things rather than hey i want to you know i want to see the eiffel tower oh i saw it i mean maybe there was some crazy experience that happened for someone and that's a memorable thing but it's usually these unexpected but for you Paris itself is the whole experience, right? Like you had it, it built up in your head of what you thought was right. going to happen. And I think most people yes. in Paris do because it's this and fantasy it, and for it a is lot of so people. Beautiful. I mean, everybody loves it because it's so beautiful. And everywhere you look, it's like a sensory overload of just majestic buildings and like the quintessential Parisian look and the sidewalk cafe and all that stuff. But like, to be honest, you and I being in Paris... Like, we fought so much in that city. I don't know what it was, but we had some of our biggest travel arguments there. You know? For us, it's the opposite of a city of romance. I guess in some... (laughs) It's like, I don't know. I feel like Paris gets the worst and best of me. And I've been there now three times. And every time I go, I have amazing experiences. And then I have awful experiences. And that's why I say I have a love and hate with it. I just... I don't know what it is, but it brings out some amazing times and it's some amazing feeling to me. And there's other times where I just, I can't wait to get out of there. It's just crazy. Yeah. There's a weird juxtaposition there because we're pretty relaxed travelers, but Paris isn't a really relaxing city. It's very fast paced in even a different way than New York is. It's kind of hard to explain. Are there any specific moments or experiences particular to Paris that you would remember Outside of just, hey, Paris as a whole was great because I always wanted to go there and now I'm there. Right. I mean, yes, this is about experiences. And so for me, like the one day that we rented bikes and, you know, I kind of didn't really care that much about renting bikes and you really wanted to. I love renting bikes. Heather puts up with, tolerates it and enjoys it at times. I do enjoy it, but sometimes I'm just like not in the mood, I guess. And you had talked me in, so that's probably an argument we had, whether or not we're going to rent bikes. So we finally did. And we, we bicycled up the river and sat by the Eiffel Tower and we kind of had like a late night picnic. It was dark. I think it was like 10 o'clock at night and we had some wine and some cheese and bread left over earlier in the basket of our bike. How, you know, cute and quintessential. And we just sat in this little park Next we kind the, of call it like our park in Paris. Not that other people, I can't find it. No, and but the, no you one's can, ever there. But no one is ever and there. And it just at overlooks the Eiffel Tower. I mean, it looks right at the Eiffel yeah, Tower. Yeah, and it's next to I can't remember what's the name of like the viewing point, the best viewing point of the Eiffel Tower across the river. Yeah, I don't remember. But it's right next to there. <laughs> We're not giving very specific stuff here, but. 
Anyway, nobody else was at this park. It was just you and me and we're sitting there and we're, you know, chugging from the bottle of wine and just like having a couple bites of cheese and just relaxing because Paris relax a little bit more at night and during the day it's very busy but at night you know you can just that's when the romance comes out that's what I always say I hate it during the day and I love it during the night for me the one memory I think that 10 years from now or 15 or 20 or 40 years we will always remember this because I know what you're going to say that I'm going to remember is when I lost my wallet we've told this story I believe on the podcast we've written a post about it and long story short I lost my wallet in the evening at some point, I didn't know until the next day and we were all getting ready to go to Versailles and I walk out of the apartment and I did my wallet and I went back in and I couldn't find it anywhere. And so that whole day that we were supposed to go to Versailles, we spent literally looking yeah. all tearing, around Paris, going to the, the police station, having them laugh at me in French and English, telling me I'm stupid because obviously someone pickpocketed me, even though I, w- I knew they hadn't because I, kn- I knew where I lost it, all this stuff. But so I was just really pissed off at myself and it was i knew it was my own fault if someone had pickpocketed me i might have felt a little better but i knew i had dropped it because i remember it happening and i was just very very upset with myself and i mean i think sometimes you're your own worst enemy because if i had done it you might have you wouldn't have been upset really because i wasn't upset at you but you were really pissed off at yourself and you're sitting there like on the couch the leather couch in that apartment just like you know unpacking all of our bags and repacking them for like the fifth time wondering if it like fell into something i kept thinking you were so angry you know when you lose something and you think all right now chill out now do it again and this is going to be the moment where it's going to magically appear I, I felt that way like every five minutes for a 20 hour period and it never happened where I found it. And but so what happened, the, the experience, I mean, I'll remember that experience. But then towards the late yeah, afternoon like when I realized uh, this is it, I'm not going to find it. Like I've ripped apart this small apartment. I've asked every shopkeeper. I've gone to the police. We went up to Sacre Coeur because our apartment was near there. And I just, we, um, we walked into Sacre Coeur and I just sat down on one of the benches and I was like, Travis, just close your eyes for five minutes and basically like meditate without meditating. Just sit there and chill out. And I just remember sitting there and feeling like a calmness come over me. You know, I just, I didn't think about anything. I let my mind kind of go and I just sat there and like for five minutes, I felt really at peace or, or it took, you know, for five minutes, I could feel like the anger and not the, the frustration, pain, but the frustration just draining. Like, it's going to be okay. It's really not that big of a deal. I mean, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? We lose 200 bucks. And I just sat there. And then, so I, I thought it was five minutes. I think it was probably a lot longer than five minutes. And I remember just walking out of there after that and feeling so relieved and so at peace with that everything was going to be okay. And it was just, a, it was a really cool feeling for me because it just mellowed me out. And I, you know, it was just, it was just a reminder that we think these things are going to be such big deals and they're really not. And why get so worked up about that? It's going to ruin the next day or the next day and the next day when we can just say, okay, I tried my best. I can't find it. I made a mistake. Let's move on. So that was a really cool experience for me. Yeah. So Paris as a whole was, was pretty fun. So now a really fun experience for me, my number six is the castles in Slovakia. And I had been wanting to go to Eastern Europe for the last seven or eight years, ever since my buddy Nick, who's been on the podcast before, you know, he was a big fan of of Eastern Europe and he had gone and he just told me how great it was. And I just kept thinking, 
you know, I'd hear these names like Slovakia and Slovenia. And to me, it just conjured up these images of a lost Europe, like a different Europe, or as Francis Tapon, our, our buddy who has a book, calls it like the hidden Europe. And I just would imagine these majestic castles that people hadn't seen, and it's just so much more remote than Paris and London. And so we finally went, and I was so excited, and we did exactly what I wanted to do. We went to Bratislava in Slovakia, which is I mean, Heth, you describe it. It's hilarious. We're in Vienna. So you basically feel like you're in Western Europe. Everything works. Everything's nice. Everything's beautiful. The train stations are modern. They're gorgeous. They're clean. You take the train one hour to the east, to Slovakia, to Bratislava, to the capital of Slovakia. And what was your feeling? Well, all of a sudden, you know, you arrive at the train station. It's run down. It looks very, you know... Eastern European, Eastern European, Soviet, Soviet, you know, communist bloc. It it was just so different. And you just like disembark from the train. You know, we took a bus to where our we were staying at a hotel in this case. And we took the bus there. And like the bus station was really grimy. And it was just like just such a different experience. And I was thinking at that point in my head, like, Travis, where have you dragged me? And it's me? funny because- Like, we just left beautiful Vienna for, like, this grittier city, and am I going to like it? And am I going to feel, like, you know, uncomfortable or just not enjoy it because it's not going to be nice? You used the term juxtaposition earlier in this podcast, and it's crazy. Night the and difference day. between Vienna and Bratislava, and I love it. I loved- I, I knew I was going to love it. I loved Bratislava. I love Slovakia as a whole. It still has that Eastern European vibe. Bratislava, though, is uh, beautiful. I mean, has a great little downtown area. So we're not even talking about the castle. I guess I should get in that. So there's a castle, Bratislava Castle, right there overlooking the old city. And we stayed in in a hotel, which I called the best hotel value in the world because we used these... What was it, a park-in? It was a park-in. We used these Club Carlson points, 9,000 points a night, and we got buy one, get one free. If you're interested in how to do that, we'll link up the post that I wrote about how to do that in the show notes. And so we were staying there for free, but even at 9,000 points, it's it's a steal. And they had a pool and I would just do laps in the pool every morning. And I, every time I had to look to get a breath over my right shoulder, I would look and they had these windows where the pool was. And I would just look out onto Bratislava Castle. And I thought, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, and this is amazing that I'm I'm just swimming these laps and every time I take a breath, I can see the castle out of my eyes. And it really is- Out of is my eyes. I guess that's the only place to see it. Out cool, of the corner of my eye. It is a really cool city and I was pleasantly re- surprised with how much I enjoyed it. And we stayed right in the old town, so it's pedestrian and walked to lots of places. And it is cool, even though it's grittier and- Maybe a little blue collar or whatever, because it would like Prague is more, you know, when they were Czechoslovakia together, Prague was more the historic city and the it beautiful city. It was beautiful. Bratislava was more industrial. It was very industrial. So it got bombed a lot more because they didn't bomb Prague as much to keep the historic integrity. So Bratislava is a little bit, you know, it's a little grimy. It's, it's a Eastern little grittier, European, but through it's and through. really, really cool. And we had some of the best food, yeah. really so cheap I, wine. We should talk about the cat. All right. So I mentioned the one castle. We'll talk food real quick. Because okay. this, to me, could have been its own 
great experience, experience but i kind of tied it into the castles of bratislava and when we got to the park inn it was in the evening and we go down to the front desk and we say to the guy listen do you have a place you could recommend like a local place that we could get some really good food and you never know at hotels they can you know recommend some really fancy or place they could recommend they, a mcdonald's right right which has happened to us in china right yeah but this guy <laughs> said Here's a beer hall that I highly recommend. And if you ever go to Bratislava, you have to go. We actually ate here at five times in four, five days yeah, or four a days. a lot. Yeah, we would just keep going back. You could call it the flagship, all right? The flagship restaurant. Everyone will know what you're talking about. And it's exactly what I imagined an Eastern European beer hall. So I had all these, as I mentioned, all these images of Eastern Europe in my mind. And we go in and it's this huge converted... It was uh, a theater It was originally. a theater. So it's this huge converted theater. So you walk in, you walk, you know, you don't know if you, you don't think you're going the right way. You walk up this main staircase and you go into what would have been the theater. You open these big doors and there's just huge wooden tables everywhere. There's a whole mezzanine with like big family style tables. And there's just people talking Talking and laughing, having it's all open air. They bring you huge steins of beer. They bring you huge things of food. It's it's what you imagine. Hey, I want to go drinking in Eastern Europe. I want cheap food. This is exactly the play, kind of place that you would imagine going to. And they had incredible food. So we'd get two or three beers a piece. We you'd get some wine if you wanted. We get a big chicken, this awesome bread and cheese spread which you loved. And so we'd basically get two meals, appetizers and drinks and it would come out to like 18 US dollars or 15 US dollars. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable and I still sometimes dream about that cheese spread and like my $2 glass of wine is being just such a a really good dinner and such great value which makes you happy so therefore I'm happy because I know you're not stressed out about you know how much our meal is costing because the other day you were looking back at our you know budget and what we'd spent and where were we where you said oh we were in England yeah. and we went to a pub for lunch with our and friends and ended up being like a hundred US, US dollars for this meal which is insane so, <laughs> so I'm always yeah. happier when it's cheap and Bratislava is cheap and getting back to my original number six of the castles, the Bratislava Castle is awesome. It's right there in the hotel. We rented a car and we decided we wanted to go out in the countryside. And that was an awesome experience in and of itself. That's why it's on this list. It was just cool to be driving a car through the Slovakian countryside. We had no idea and what it would be like. The landscape was pretty different than what we'd seen before because it was very agricultural. Not that we haven't seen that, but they had one of their main products is... Um, Sunflower oil. Sunflower oil. So they have rapeseed, which is where sunflower comes from, and sunflower oil. Canola oil. Canola not oil. Sunflower oil. Canola oil comes from these rapeseeds, and they're just like, the, when we were there, they were all budded yellow. So the fields were just yellow flowers everywhere. It was really cool. Yeah, and really it, was, it was funny because we didn't know where to eat, and we, we wanted to go get some groceries. <laughs> we ended up eating at a McDonald's, which is funny, because we were like went to a, a Slovakian shopping mall, but we went to these two castles, and Bonice Castle was is kind of the fairy tale castle. Like it, If you look up pictures, it looks like an amazing Cinderella castle, and it was cool to go see, but it was pretty far, and we drove like three and a half hours to get out there. And it was neat, except then we went on a tour and there was no English tour. So yeah, we like got stuck on this. It's mandatory to do a, have a guide. Yeah, you, you have can't to... go through the castle on your own. You have to be on a tour that starts, what, every half hour or yeah. something. But they don't do it in English. So we had to spend an hour and a half going through this castle on a tour where we understood nothing and just waiting in these rooms after we looked at, to, you know, move on. So. 
Bonice Castle, cool, but, you know, whatever. On the way back, we stopped at one that was closer to Bratislava called Bekov Castle. And it's just these ruins that are up on the hill that we had seen from the highway. We didn't even know how to get there, right, Heth? We're driving. and Yeah, well, the person we had rented the car from, you know, told us about it. And he said, you'll be able to see it from the highway. And that's how we found it. We saw it from the highway. We took an exit and we somehow found our way to it. And it was Awesome. And they were just about to close. So we kind of snuck up and we actually stayed up way past closing. And then they were doing an Easter egg hunt. Yeah, because up there. it was, it was the Easter weekend. So we were the fun. only, like, we snuck up. They closed it. We were still in there. It was like for kids and their parents. And we <laughs> yeah, like, but don't then, have a kid. <laughs> yeah. But we were able to stay up there for a while. And it's these amazing ruins. And again, you just feel like it's on this hill overlooking the town and you feel like you're basically on top of the world. And it, and it's just, it's so neat because, you know, it's not a big tourist thing. You could see it from the highway, but how many people go on the highway in Slovakia anyway when we're talking about tourists? Yeah, you feel like you're the first Westerner who's ever been there, which you're not, but it feels that way. And there weren't any other Westerners. To me, you know, it was magical. Like, was I, cool. I loved it. I was just standing on the top turret of this base of these ruins that are pretty well kept up, but not that great. And I'm just standing there. You're just looking out over the Slovakian countryside and you think, yeah, you, that you're on top of the world. It was an amazing, the castles in Slovakia and Slovakia itself, my number six. So I tied a lot of stuff in there, kind of yeah. cheated again. Yeah. But- and, and again, I mean, all of these experiences made like our, both of our top favorites. We just kind of listed our choose, separately. Yeah. All right. You're number five. My number five is the the actual experience was when we were able to make the pizza in Tuscany. If you guys haven't seen this post, Heather did a fantastic job putting together a whole post oh, of, thanks, our, babe. of our pizza making experience in Tuscany. So at, for people who haven't seen it, tell them kind of how this came about because it was very serendipitous. Well, the whole experience in Tuscany was really amazing for us. We decided to go there before we went to Asia because our tickets, our plane tickets went into Milan and out of Prague. So we were like, where should we spend two weeks? And I was like, well, why not Tuscany? The weather looks like it's going to be good and it'll be relaxing and we can get work done. So our whole time there, like the experience staying at this beautiful Airbnb farmhouse, which we also wrote about on the blog, what a great accommodation. We loved it. So that whole experience of being in Tuscany made my number five. But, but the actual best part was making that pizza. So our hosts, the owners of the Airbnb apartment, they they have in, in their book, you know, for the house, you can, if you want to make pizza, just let us know and we'll kind of prepare it for you. They and, have a pizza oven outside. So they have a, yes. a, a pizza oven outside of their farmhouse. And they had mentioned that they could teach us to make pizza Italian style and that they would get us the ingredients and things like that. And that they do that for some of the guests as an extra thing, as an extra special thing, if you if you want to do that. Right. So our host, David and Francesca, are both really excellent cooks. I mean, they're not chefs or anything by career, but they love cooking. They're, they're Italian. You know, they they're just, Italian. They they're, kill it. You know, and they love Tuscany and Tuscan foods. And so, you know, of course, they, they make sure you know that pizza really originated in, in Naples and you have to use tomatoes from Naples. And so they just got everything ready for us. It was cool because it was a whole day thing. They, they You know, they well, said, yeah, let's we start went over Three, and let's make the dough ourselves. Let's make all the ingredients. It takes, what, three hours to start the fire, get it stoked, get it hot enough, all that kind of stuff. Right. So we went over to their part of the house, to their kitchen, and they, you know, Travis and David made the dough, and we're like forming it, and we're crushing all the tomatoes, and 
then, you know, we started the fire three hours late, later. We're ready to start making the pizza. So we made, what would you say, Travis? Like 15 I think we, little yeah. pizzas. Well, he's making the dough and he's explaining. It looks like a lot of dough, but we've never made pizza like on a on a brick oven like that or, you know, on a stone oven like that. And I'm like, man, this seems like a lot of dough. He's like, oh, we'll be fine. We made 15 pizzas. There was four of us. Me, yeah. Heather, Francesca, and David. We made 15 pizzas. <laughs> now, we did have at least... Seven pizzas left over or more. Yeah, and they're the thin crust, you know, you know. But it was such a cool experience. We got toppings. So we would make the dough. He taught us how to form it. So, you know, you can only do one pizza at a time in the oven. So we'd form it. We'd get all ready. We'd put the pizza in. You know, we put the toppings on. Yeah, and it doesn't take a super long time to cook in the well, oven. it's 800 degrees Fahrenheit, right? The, the actual like temperature of the oven. So it really takes... Four minutes, yeah. five minutes. So you and put you, it in and, and you, you have, have to turn to it. Turn it because, you know, it's the fire gets pushed to the side. So you make the fire in the middle of the oven. Then when it heats up the whole oven, you push it to the side. So when you put the pizza in, it kind of cooks it half of it. And then you turn it, cooks the other half. And it comes out of the oven like you've made this pizza. And you cut it and you eat it. And it's just like rewarding and fun. And it's you so know, cool to put whatever toppings you want on it. Like we were making, <laughs> they like the regular margaritas. So we were like, well, we're going to put on what do we do with one eggplant and ricotta mm. and and some peppers like we made a crazy one and i think like some salami with eggplant yeah. and they're like salami and eggplant we've never seen like <laughs> just say, we've never seen this we've never seen and we'd make it and then they'd eat it and they were you know blown away so it was just a awesome awesome experience to be doing something very very authentic and be doing it at the house that we were staying at. Like we didn't go and take a pizza making class or anything like that. It was just us with our hosts. They're teaching us how to make pizza. And of course we got to eat it, but it was cool how to do it from the very, very beginning. Like, see, we're actually making the dough all the way to like doing the Make whole the cooking fresh of tomato it. sauce right. everything it was really cool like like something from a movie like when you see those movies based in italy and you're like you know crushing the grapes with your feet or you're going to someone's house you know and having a traditional italian meal which happened with david and francesca three different times so we were just really blessed to have such a cool experience there and have a really cool you know atmosphere and airbnb apartment and we will be linking up the post so you can see us doing it and everything like that in the show notes and if you are interested we actually had a lot of people contact us after that saying where did you take that pizza making class or how can i do the same and in that post is linked up the place that we stayed so if you're going to tuscany i could not recommend a better place to stay you're right near florence as well it, it was just fabulous everything about it was fabulous and the pizza making thing was great my number five is something that is on most people's quote-unquote bucket list. And I'm really glad we got to do this. And it was just an amazing experience. And that is going to the Great Wall of China. And that tells you how amazing our year was, that the Great Wall of China is number five on my list. Yeah, not number one. And, you know, we had a really good time in China. It was not what we expected for better and worse, different times. I mean, we, we could do a, a whole 10 podcasts on China itself. But the Great Wall specifically, we were very lucky because when we went, we had a friend of a friend who lived in Beijing. And we, so we decided we were going to stay with him. We contacted him. He was said this was okay. He has a family with three kids and a wife, and they were just so accommodating. But one of the cool things about staying with them is he said, you know, what I can do one day is we have a big van. I'll drive you out to a part of the Great Wall that 
is very hard to get to. You Tourists can get there, but you have to take like five buses. So basically, it's very remote. So when people go to the Great Wall, when you go as a tourist there are or a two traveler... two different spots. Yeah, the that, two big ones are Badaling and Mutanyu. And, and of you course, could take the subway to one of them. And, yeah, and you know, so, so. It, it makes sense that they're popular, right? Because they're easy to get to. So if you come into Beijing for a day or two... Yeah, you're going to go to one of those areas. But for us, it was amazing because we we were going to be there for a few days. He could drive us right to it. It was about an hour and a half outside of Beijing. We get there. I mean, you know, you have to pay two different people to get onto their property. There's a sign that says, do not go onto the Great Wall on this property. But then there's a little old lady outside who asks you for what is in essence 20, 20 cents. cents. And you give it to her and then she lets you on. So I guess it's her property or her olive grove. They- that butts up to uh, yeah, who the, knows? But the wall. Then you have to climb up onto the wall. And what was so amazing, I mean, the Great Wall is incredible in and of itself. I mean, you're just looking over all the hills and seeing it climb all the hills in the distance. It just goes on as obviously as far as the eye can see. Well, and it is disconnected. I mean, actually, before we went, I I was under the impression that it was kind of more one wall, but it's actually like different sections which are not all connected now. Sure, anymore. all the. Yeah, the whole Great Wall isn't one long continuous wall, but this area that we were at, you know, everything you could see was, oh, was connected. Oh, it was, yeah, where we were And it's undulating, going over all these peaks and down these crazy valleys, and it's yeah, actually some, really steep to climb up and go down at some points. Yeah, like some points that we literally had to hold on to the side of the wall and like step, you know... You're basically climbing up, like on all fours at times, because it's steep enough that you... You put your hands on the wall to to help balance. It was a really, really fun experience. Yeah. And what was so neat. And and so I guess why if we had gone to the Great Wall, I don't know if it would have made my top seven experiences if we had gone to Badaling or Mutanyu. I don't know because we didn't do it. But what was so amazing about it was that if you can get to an area that's more remote, I mean, we could literally take pictures where we were the only people on the Great Wall for 50 miles as far as the eye could see. I mean, there was no one there. So you literally felt like an ant in amongst this amazing area and this amazing structure. And we went in the off season. So that helped a little bit. We were there in March. So it wasn't as beautiful. I know you're one of your main complaints Heth, was that it wasn't super green. Well, yeah, it was very brown. The mountains around it were brown. So the wall kind of blended into the landscape. But I mean, it was still magnificent to see it. But I think it's a little more, you know, exciting when you can see like the greenness around it. And we've had some friends actually go to that spot of the wall and you can... You know, you're not supposed to camp overnight, but it's it's not guarded or anything. I yeah, mean, you're just so, so you can sometimes take a tent and yeah, sleep you, on the Great Wall of China, right? Which we want to do next time, I and especially if you want to hike some of it. I mean, you know, you could go in one direction for you know 20, 40, 70 miles. So if you want to hike some, you know, you go and hike during the yeah. day and tent, and then come back the next day. I mean, it's it's fantastic. I can't just really describe how amazing it looks like in person going up and down these mountains. Yeah, and I, like when Travis says mountains, like some parts of the wall that haven't been restored are kind of like ruins and on the side of a mountain. And it is kind of treacherous hiking. It would be like a pretty challenging hike if you you know wanted to make a workout of it. Yeah, and the last thing I should mention. So if you are going to go to the Great Wall and you have an opportunity to try to go somewhere more remote. 
I highly recommend it. Even if it's harder to get to, I think your experience it's is well going to be worth it. 10 times as good. And we, you can hire a driver too if you didn't want to take the five buses and you don't have a friend who happens to live there. Sure. Yeah, you that's another hire, way. You could hire, hire a, a van or a car or something like that. I should mention too, we actually went skiing outside of Beijing too. That didn't make my top seven experience, but it was pretty weird to be skiing <laughs> on fake snow and looking at downtown Beijing from the top of the mountain. Yeah, it was a little wild. That was Nan Shan Ski Resort, in case anyone wants to look it up and is interested. A cool experience. We paid literally $4.50 for our lift ticket, ski rentals, jacket rentals, because we were not planning on going skiing. So that was a cool experience. Yeah, and, and really cheap. So All right, Hath, let's end this episode then on your number four. And then the next time we come in, we'll pick up with my number four and then continue the countdown. So yeah. what's your number four? Um, my number four is Berlin. And here's Go why. Go to the city again. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll tell about my experience after I say, you know, the city. But Berlin, and this is why, though, because I never really even cared about going to Berlin or Germany, for that matter, for no other reason, just that I wasn't very interested in it. And our friends were coming over to Europe and they wanted to meet up in Berlin. And we said, OK, sure, we'll do it. And we rented this beautiful go without apartment right in what was the the area next Prenzlauerberg. to me, Prenzlauerberg, which is a, a very trendy, cool part of Berlin. It's well, like, you're in East East Berlin, which is, you know, used to be the part where obviously no one would want to be. It's the East German part. and But now that it, the wall's fallen, it's this hip area. Yeah, it's very hip. It's very cool. Like the vibe is fun. There are restaurants, coffee shops, people out and about like all over the streets. It's just a really fun area. And so our my experience, Travis, there was just like we rented bikes again, bicycles, and we were Gotta there. Love biking we around. were there with our, you know, great friends Courtney and Caleb, who come up a lot in the podcast because we're able to travel with them a bit. And you know, we biked all around Berlin one afternoon. There was not a cloud in the sky. It was just fantastic weather. It was the you know kind of the end of May, and we had some pretty bad weather in other parts of. Europe. So having like an 80 degree day with the sun shining on you. Everyone was out in cafes. So we would just just bike around, stop at a cafe, grab a beer, grab food, bike to some other cafe, grab food. It was, it was a neat city when the weather is nice. That city is fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, we did a tour of the the Great Wall or sorry, we were just talking about the Berlin Wall and you know, I was just really fascinated, even though, of course, I had studied it and I know all about it. But to be there, to see parts of the wall that are still standing and to read, they have in one part, like a whole outline of like Hitler's rise to power and everything that was happening in Germany at that time. And I mean, it was just it was, it was cool and it was thought provoking. And the Holocaust memorial that they have there is also right, with like, a different sized obelisk, you know, the yeah, different sized like stone stone squares or whatever. It's just a very cool city. Not to mention, I know that I'm kind of dragging on a little bit here and I can't believe that we've already been talking so long about all this stuff. But the food scene in Berlin is insane. I mean, my favorite restaurant that we went to was called Babel and it was a falafel, well, like a Middle Eastern place and they had the best falafel plate and we had really good pizza, surprisingly. And what was another? Oh, we went well, to, I like the curry worst, but you, that's not yeah. for everyone. But of course, you have to get it if you enjoy those things because it's 
it's Germany. But um, the last day we were there, we went to this cafe called Anna Bloom. And it's on TripAdvisor and everybody raves about it. And we didn't even really know. We kind of stumbled upon it. And it was pretty busy. And we're like, well, this looks like a cool spot. And we went in and we had like a tiered lunch, I guess it's called. And it had, you know, like charcuterie and hummuses and spreads and cheeses all on this like, you know, silver tiered platter. And it, it was, was very trendy, delicious. but very good. It was delicious. Well, and it fed all of us. I mean, we were stuffed by the end of it. It was a lot of food. Berlin had- it came with fresh fruit and bread. Berlin had a really cool cafe, outdoor, alfresco dining culture. And we were there in the summer, of course. And so that was a really, really fun time. And the biking around, it's such a bike-friendly city. That's what we loved. I mean, you would see, you know, the one time when we were crossing over the run one bridge, it was like- a phalanx of bikes. You know, there's like a hundred bikes coming across with you. It's just a really, really cool feeling. Awesome city. I I loved Berlin way more than we thought we would like. Yeah, and that's why the experience made my number four because my expectations were like far exceeded what I thought it would be. And so that's why that experience just really meant a lot to me because I was so pleasantly surprised with yeah. the city. You wrap the history and the really neat history and kind of tragic but but rejuvenation of the city all together with the fact that it's super hip and there's a lot of cool things happening now and that people who are kind of trend setting and cutting edge are coming to Berlin you wrap all that together and you have a really neat vibe I think one yeah. that you can't recreate because nowhere else has the history that Berlin has so recently yeah so you know what I definitely recommend it people you should go to Berlin <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I loved it as well. I'm glad you put it on list, my list so I could talk about it as well. So there you have it. Those are our seven of our top 14 experiences that we've had. I'm sure we're not the only ones who have had amazing travel experiences in 2014. So we'd absolutely love it if you've had them to drop us a line. Let us know in the comments about what you guys did that was epic in 2014. Some of your favorite travel experiences. You could also tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. Just let us know. What did you do in 2014 that was really cool? What were some of your amazing experiences? And of course, if you want to know our top seven experiences, we'll be telling yeah. you that in the next podcast. If we haven't bored you too much, I'm looking at the clock and we've been talking for 48 minutes. 48 awesome minutes. I Whoa, hope this, so I hope you enjoyed it. And, and we tried excited. to tell the story. You know, we're trying to tell the story with these experiences. And I think that that really is what the travel is about, as we mentioned before. So we will be doing number seven through one in the next podcast. You can find that on iTunes, on Stitcher. If you're listening to this when it first comes out, of course, we'll be putting it out tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that as well. We also want to thank our sponsor, Tortuga Backpacks, again, for sponsoring another episode of the Extra Pack of Beans Travel Podcast. If you guys don't get a Tortuga backpack under the tree for Christmas, or you're listening to this later and you didn't get a backpack and you want one, I cannot recommend enough my Tortuga backpack, it's perfect because it's carry-on size. It has a laptop sleeve. I absolutely love it. It's been around the world with us. So if you're interested in that, you want to check it out, and you want to get a discount that they've offered us as well, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Tortuga, T-O-R-T-U-G-A. Tortuga is turtle, 
in Spanish. So <laughs> I thought you, you were going to spell that wrong for a second. It looked like you were pondering. Well, I was pondering it. <laughs> so if you if, if you forget what it is, you could type what's turtle in Spanish. Tortuga will come up. ExtraPackOfPeanuts.com slash Tortuga. You'll get the discount code and everything like that. Let us know if you pick up a Tortuga for the holiday season or if you pick it up after. That would be awesome. Tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. We love to see people rocking their Tortugas. So thank you guys for tuning in. And of course, make sure you check out our next little episode so you can see numbers three through one of our best travel experiences of 2014. And until tomorrow, happy happy free free travels. travels.